0: Good morning, why don't you stand and join us as we start off with the scene
1: The earth could not contain its joy, so mountains were born, mountains were born. The sea could not contain its praise. Mighty ways roll, the mighty ways roar. I will rejoice, I will rejoice. Let's sing this out. Come on.
0: Here we want we like to take this point in our service just to, to pray for a minute. Um, happy Father's Day to all dads. We're here to celebrate you guys today, but we also know that uh, just because it's Father's Day doesn't mean there aren't prayer needs, right? Um, got a lot of things going on in the life of our church, um, and particularly Father's Day can be a celebration. But just last Father's Day, uh, my dad was extremely ill and. Uh, um, almost didn't make it, and I was so mad because God uh, put me in a position where I ended up preaching on Father's Day, and I was so frustrated that my dad's sick and in the hospital, and I'm here, and we're trying to take care of things and present this message, and I'm like, what are you supposed to say? And it was raw. I'll just be real. It was raw. But for some folks, this morning, is it can be tough. This isn't always—it it is a celebration for those of our dads who are in the room, and um, but there's a lot missing, and uh, we want to pray because we believe that God is not just interested in pretending like everything's good all the time, but also is very aware that there is there are wounds, there's hurts, um, there's a lot going on. And so we're going to just take a moment and pray as part of our worship uh, because I believe that this is what allows us to make our worship authentic. Is God's not interested in us just singing songs just for the heck of it. The whole point is that we engage our hearts. And if our hearts aren't engaged, then what we're, we're just... We're entertaining each other, and we're just hanging out. Uh, Didn't even need to be Christian music at that point. Um, The heartbeat of this is that we actually engage with what God is doing, and we allow our hearts to be poured out before him, whether that's joy and and gratitude or whether that's uh, pain, hurt, fear, any number of other things. So let's just pray. Father, thank you that you... Define what a good dad looks like, and for those who walk through this these doors this morning and and are you know just happy that it's Father's Day and are excited to celebrate, God, I pray that you would bless them. But Father, I pray that you would also be with those who today is a difficult one, a painful one. Father, a, a, a reminder of of things. Uh, that are are difficult to think about or deal with. God, I pray that that as we worship this morning, that that we would be able to just pour these things out before you. That as we give you our needs, that you would give us more of your presence. That we we would become more aware of, of you in our circumstances, Father. That we would stand in awe of how good you are. And what a great Father. Be with us, Father, this morning. In your name we pray.
1: And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down bites till I'm found it's the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it.
2: No
3: Church. Uh, my name is Kyle, and today I'm going to be talking to you about giving. Um, sorry if it uh, seems a little off base, but I just got done playing guitar. <laughs> Bass guitar. So, uh, happy Father's Day to you dads who uh, thought that was a funny joke. Um, <laughs> I know, uh, I know that today stirs up a lot of different types of emotions uh, for people, whether it's uh, happiness or fondness, love or gratitude, responsibility, or perhaps uh, today's reminder of abandonment, anger, guilt, inadequacy, sorrow, or maybe a combination of everything I just mentioned. Uh, I know that's just my list of feelings today. Uh, on Father's Day, uh, I have three girls. Uh, they mean the world to me, and uh, but also, uh, last year, one year ago on Memorial Day, uh, my dad passed away suddenly. Um, he was healthy, 61 years old, and uh, just passed away um, due to heart problems. The uh, the question many people have, who if they lost a loved one is how can I trust a God who takes someone away so early um, and allows me to experience pain? And the fact is that uh, we can trust him um, because he is a good father. Despite the seemingly bad in our life, he is trustworthy. Matthew 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you which of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake? if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him so listen y'all our good father in heaven sees and hears all of our needs nothing is too small for him nothing is too great for him he cares about everything if we care about it and i was just reviewing our budget last night at home and i get i got anxious about how much month is left and how we've burned through a lot of money already uh, for the month's budget and uh i had to say to myself what my uh, wonderful wife always says to me that it's going to be okay and uh, everything's going to work out uh, because we trust in God. Our financial giving is personal in acknowledging and trusting God's provision for our life as well as a communal trusting here at Journey to, for God to lead Journey in giving to the community and reaching out as well as to the world. With, uh, with the money that we give. So I know uh, my kids aren't concerned about where money comes from for food or clothes or putting gas in our car to go different places because the supply is beyond their knowledge. It's beyond their comprehension. And so it's the same thing with God's economy. So the question I wanna ask you this morning is do we trust the good father, despite how our earthly father figures may have distorted our view of him, or even how many digits are in the bank account? So as the ushers come forward, I'm just gonna just gonna pray. Um Dear God, I thank you so much that you are good that we can trust you because you have the best for us in mind. That's what you want for us. And I thank you so much that Jesus set the example of a relationship with the Father and that we can follow that. And through Jesus, we can have part in that. That you, God, are always seeking our hearts that you are always wanting us to trust you as a child trusts a parent for everything we need, whether it's financial or relational or whatever it is, God, you are trustworthy and you allow us to have that faith in you through Jesus. I ask that you bless this giving um, in our our church as we uh, step out and trust you financially and, um, trust that journey will, uh, further your kingdom through the funds and just help us to have that faith and trust in you, God, to, uh, to rely on you for everything. In Jesus name. Amen.
0: All right. Well, we got some announcements. while well, this, these buckets are going around for you. Some things going on in the life of our church. Kyle like that, uh. That dad joke, by the way. (laughs) If you got any others, you're welcome to share. (laughs) I put him on the spot. First things first, if you are joining us online, welcome and thanks. We are going to uh, send out our love to our dads online. Uh, If you are in fifth or sixth grade and you are a part of the Sunday school program, you can go ahead and head on out to your classrooms.
3: And also, if you are new to Journey, uh, welcome, first of all. We're glad to have you here on this day. And if you go right out the doors, and to the right, we have a place called The Hot Spot, where you can get a tasty treat as a gift.
0: Yes, very tasty. We also, for Father's Day, it is Father's Day, if you didn't know, happy Father's Day. Where's my dad's at? Usually at churches on Sundays, churches are notorious for uh, for beating up dads. They encourage and love their moms and they beat their dads up every Father's Day. We're not gonna do that here. So for you, we have a little gift outside, just a little something. It's uh, You can get a, grab a couple of their uh, dry rubs and spices and, and herbs for some barbecue, for cooking. So if you wanna have a barbecue later, there's also some cornhole out there so you can hang out, play some games, and have a good time.
3: All right, and if you've seen the past few weeks, we've had uh, baby bottles out there for the care net, raising money for them and stuff. Uh, those are due today, so hopefully you remembered it and you could turn it into the hot spot. But if you forgot, we will take it next week too, because we won't refuse money for them as we raise money. That's right,
0: it's always true. The last
3: and final thing is,
0: if you are interested in MOPS, it's our Moms on Purpose group. Um, if you are interested in joining or being a part of the leadership, we have an interest meeting this Saturday, the 22nd. Um, and you can be part of this at Butler's 10 a.m. Find out, get some information. You're not committing to it by just showing up. But if you want just more information, you can show up to that. and. Uh, Get all that you need to know, get plugged in and get involved. But at this point, we want to take a minute and just have you guys get to know someone around you. So why don't you stand and greet someone next to you?
3: He doesn't have heat vision, or even wear a cape. He doesn't battle evil villains. He's not invincible, and he can't save the universe. He doesn't have superhuman strength. He's just super because he's my dad.
4: You know, happy Father's Day, Dad. What I, what I really love about that, you're gonna probably crank me up a little bit here, <clears throat> losing my voice. What I really love about that video is that that's the truth. He's saying, my dad doesn't wear a cape, my dad can't save the universe, my dad doesn't fly, he's not a superhero, but my dad's super because he's my dad and here's the point hey dads we want to honor you today and we want to celebrate you because honestly um it's tough being a dad and how many of you have little ones under say five years old little ones in the house okay (laughs) for those of you wow hats off to you i haven't had that in uh, a long time um was like born in 94 and so obviously it's been 20 some years since i've had one that age but as yes, uh, this weekend, I had the privilege of watching my grandson uh, for several hours on Friday. So we started out with just playtime and it was throw rocks to the dog, throw rocks to the dog, throw rocks to the dog. And I'm telling you, I got one of those dogs that never gets tired of rocks. And if you're just sitting there unaware, it will bring a boulder and drop it on your foot just so you will play. Well, Onyx loves throwing rocks to the dog. So after we did that for a while, then, oh, uh, well, we got busy, and we watered all the plants, so help me water all the plants, played in mud, made, mud, you know, pies, and then we went up and played in a fort, and we played in the sand, and we played in the dirt, and then we took a little walk, and then we did, I'm telling you, and for hours, we just were so active and so busy, and I'm telling you, you're watching all the time, because there's so many little dangers in the world, at that age, they can get in trouble real quick, just close your eyes for a second and they're in trouble. So I never take my eyes off them. Then finally, we just like, I'm out of exhaustion myself. I just, we just sat down on the yard furniture. And uh, next thing I know, I put on a little music just to see if I could chill him out. And sure enough, he kind of gets one of these going, you know, the eyes just start getting heavy. And uh, it's as if he knew I was watching. So he looks at me like, I'm not tired. He, he just gives me that look, like, you can't, you can't wear me out, Grandpa. And he gives me that look, and so I just kind of smiled, and I started nodding. I just kind of nodded and closing my eyes. I just want to see if, you know, if yawns are contagious. I wanted to see if sleepy was. So I'm like, so I start doing this, and next thing you know, he's kind of like this. And at that age, their heads are bigger than their body, so pretty soon his little head just starts going like this, and sure enough, blonk. So we just kind of crashed and took a little nap together in the yard, and I'm telling you, I love it. I love being a dad. I love being a grandpa. One of my favorite things in the world, can I tell you also, it's one of the hardest. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it's uh, one of the things that, although it's the most rewarding, it's the most challenging. And I, and I just want to tell you dads today, um, the reason, you know, I'm not talking about how to be a super dad is because there, there's not any really super dads. They're just dads. There's just people. And guys, we're all cut out of different cloth. There's some similarities between us all. I mean, we all pretty much have testosterone, so there's certain innate things about us. We all have brains and bodies. But we're all unique. And your story and your parenting, your style is going to be a little bit different than everybody else's. But what I I know about dads, what what I kind of feel about myself sometimes, is that dads are constantly under this pressure to measure up. And the problem is, we had, so many of us had very few people in our life to actually learn to father from. It's not, they didn't take us through classes. There were no schooling, you know, like classes you could take in college, like how to be a good dad or good parenting skills or budgeting for, you know, for dummies or whatever. There just weren't a lot of those things. So most of us, we just learn from the people who are around us or just by trial and error. And so for a lot of us, there's a lot of error in that trial and error. And some of you may feel a little beat up today. Some of you may feel a little bit, you know, you don't measure up. Some of you are maybe just exhausted. Some of you may feel on the top of things. And that's awesome. So what I want to do today, dads, I want to celebrate you. And I want to encourage you. And since we were trying to look for, you know, ways of getting an idea about how to measure. Since we're measuring ourselves all the time against something, I wanted to give you some scriptural illustrations of dads, Who were like the ultimate dads that we could measure up to. If we're going to look to somebody, well, I just wanted to get in Scripture and give you the ultimate dad. But the problem is, there wasn't one. I mean, think about everybody in the Scripture story. Adam screwed up from the very beginning, and his sons, one of them killed the other. I mean, that was a bad situation from the beginning. You go down to Noah, Noah did great with the ark and all that, and then things got crazy afterwards and he got drunk and some stuff happened, anyway, you can read that story, I'm not going to tell you. Then there was this other guy who come into Abraham, Abraham wanted to have kids, couldn't have kids, so his wife couldn't get pregnant, so then he took another wife and got her pregnant, and then he took another wife and got her pregnant, and then we have all this crazy stuff. We go to David, and David is like the greatest king ever, right? He was like God's man, God had a heart after God's heart. And yet David killed one of his closest friends to get to his wife so he could have his wife. I mean, this is crazy stuff. So when I look for this ultimate dad in the story, there wasn't one. Matter of fact, man, there are so few illustrations of great dads in the world. There are just so few model dads that I went to the one exception to it. And by the way, even Joseph. I mean, people are like, well, hey, Joseph. Joseph, the guy who married Mary, who they you know, he was the surrogate father of Jesus, basically, the earthly dad, but of course he was heavenly you know conceived. So it's like, what do we know about Joseph? Well, he's in a couple paragraphs in the scriptures, and we don't know anything about his fathering. He lost his kid at one point when you know Jesus was at the temple, but other than that, so he's typical dad, but I, we don't know anything about Joseph. So so, you and I feel this tremendous pressure. <clears throat> to measure up. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to measure myself in some way or another, so I kind of know where I'm at in this whole world of being a dad and being a husband and just being a man. And that, that's why I come to this today. Um, nobody gets it all right. Nobody does it perfectly. As a matter of fact, not a lot of people even do it well. So I want to encourage you that there's only one perfect father. His His name is Yahweh, Jehovah. And he's your father. And he's my father. And he illustrates his love for us in some ways that I want to point out four specific ways that our Heavenly Father is the only ultimate father. And he's ultimate for a few reasons. And we have a lot we can learn from him today. So here's a couple traits about our ultimate father. First of all, God is the ultimate provider. it's one of our roles, and it seems like we just kind of have an innate sense that we we got to provide for our families. And most of us, we want to provide well, and we just never know what's well enough, right? There's a constant strain to feel like you're doing enough, that you've earned enough, that you're a good provider, especially with social media and the world of television and the mass media, where we're constantly measuring ourselves against this elusive idea of what it is to be a real man because that means you have millions of dollars and all the cool stuff and your life is so together you wear the greatest cool stuff clothes and and you're so you're just so together again that person as far as i know doesn't exist but when we look to god <clears throat> when it comes to providing he provided exactly what we needed let's look at the story and we're going to start in genesis we're going to start from the very beginning where god became a father in a sense in which he created humans in his image. So we find that God created everything. He made all the worlds, the universes, and he did all this amazing stuff. And then he comes to the specific world that we live in, to earth. And he created the sun, moon, stars, and he creates the atmosphere, he creates the clouds, and he creates the species that live on the ground. And He, li- he creates humans. And it's verse chapter 2, verse 8. It says, then the Lord... Planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he'd formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So, first of all, God made his incredible world. And then God takes his son, as it were, his first, you know, physical created being, the one that was made in his image, Adam, and he puts him in the garden. But what is, I I just find this very interesting. God gave them all the essentials for a great life. But then he gave it to them as a gift. He gave them, first of all, a space to live. Dads, one of the things we do is we create a space around us in which people can thrive. This is what God did first. He gave them a space where they could thrive. And it was their home space. And that's why home has to be one of those safe spaces. Dads, one of our jobs, it seems like, is protector It's provider, protector, where we create a space in which people can thrive. And we give them the raw essentials in order for them to thrive. But what I love about God is he didn't give his kids everything right up front. He gave them this space. He gave them an opportunity. He provided, but in Genesis 2.15, he placed them in Eden, their beautiful home. And he tells them this, now work it and take care of it. He never intended To do everything for them so he gave them an opportunity to develop gifts for themselves and i love this that what god was saying is he wants to do it with not for and dads, that's a real key thing for us as we learn how to raise families moms you can learn this and and friends you know if you're not either mom or dad or whatever there's truth in this that life is about doing with not for what God did is he did the structural stuff, but then when he, once he placed them in the garden, he wanted to do life with, he wanted to give them the opportunity to do with him, to create with him. And he didn't ask them to do it, he didn't do it for them, he did it with them. And this is what I learned. I, I, my dad was the same kind of guy, he was this kind of dad, He's like, he was great at meeting our basic needs. We never lacked for anything, and it, growing up we felt we were, you know, like everything was great. Um, we weren't rich. By any stretch but from the time I was a child my dad taught me this whole concept of with not for because I remember when we were just little guys my parents found ways for us to participate in the life as a family that everybody contributes everybody contributes as soon as you're able and if that's nothing more than putting your toys away when you're done or to you know clean up after yourself whatever But I remember once we were big enough, my dad taught us that there were chores that had to be done every weekend. If there was an animal, then the animals had to be fed. You had to clean up whatever happens after the animals are fed. You had to do all of that on a weekend. You have to rake the leaves, you have to mow the lawn, you have to help clean the garage. There was lots of things. You clean your bedroom, you help vacuum the house. Mom and dad both busy, so we all learned to do our part. I love that, and one of the ways that my dad did this, he said, hey listen, there are no cartoons, until the work's done, and I don't know about you, but a kid in the 60s, I mean, this is when the TVs went off at night, and you had this, boo. Yeah, anybody remember that? Okay, I know, it's ancient, ancient history, but they used to have this thing, because programming ran out at a certain time, people went to bed at night, and so the TV would go off, there would be a test pattern that would come on the screen, but on Saturday mornings, there was a four, four and a half hour window where there were actually cartoons and kids shows on, and it was Saturday, was the only day that we had cartoons, because the only day we were home. But that was the day we got to watch cartoons if we got our work done. And so you can imagine the motivation. We wanted to get all the stuff done so that there was that time to catch some of the cartoons. And Dad's, I think one of the keys that we, we can pick up is that God intends for us to give our families amazing opportunities. But he wants us to learn to work with them, to teach them, to give them responsibility. Later on, when I was in elementary school, my first bike I got for Christmas, it was, you know, typical Schwinn, you know, it had the, the sissy bar on the back and the banana seat, and it was just a cool, cool ride, and I was thrilled. I loved it. Even had the little tassels coming out of the hand. I don't know why, but those are cool, because something that flapped in the wind, but it was when that one was finally wrecked, and I was a little older, I wanted to go faster, and I wanted a 10-speed. A lot of my friends had 10-speeds, and I'm like, my dad said, you want a 10-speed? Well, we actually, my family took on another job. They didn't work hard enough during the week. So they became church janitors on the weekends. And they literally cleaned the church for, you know, the weekends. And so they taught me that if you, hey, you want that 10-speed? Dad said, like, well, you get to work for it. So we would go to work, and I would vacuum all the classrooms, or I would help scrub toilets or whatever it was, and I started saving my money. And when I finally got that $36 to go buy my bright orange Schwinn, Bicycle 10-speed with the white curly, you know, plastic hand grip tape on. I mean, I was so proud. And you can better believe I never left this one out in the sprinklers. I never dumped it at the school and forgot it. I kept close, a close eye because it was something I got to do with and I, had, I got to learn how to be responsible for. Dad taught me to do with and to earn. From the time I was 12, my dad told me, hey, you're not going to sit around during the summer. So, I a Here's a lawnmower, Here's a rake. And here's an edger. Now, edger, for those of you who don't do your own lawns, um, they're like these two, they kind of like have a stick. And and at the end, they got these two spiny like things that kind of go like this. And you actually roll it along the edge of the curb and it cuts the grass and makes a nice tight line. And my dad got me all that. And he said, now we're going to go around the neighborhood. And he helped me go the first couple doors and knock on the door and say, hi, my name's Dave. I'm looking for, you know, yards to do for the summer. You know, can I do your yard? And I got a lawn route and with that lawn route I got to do things my dad taught me how and then he helped me do with so then I got to do things like buy my first mini bike and upgrade my go-kart and fun stuff like that the point is dads your role is not to do for everybody but one of the greatest gifts we give our kids is to teach them and do with to move them into a place of responsibility. And, and I don't know if you've heard the, the old, it was in my day in college, it was called the four phases of ease. In other words, because this is how to make your life easier. Number one, I do, you watch. Dads, we've got to instruct. We actually got to show them what we want them to do. Stage two, I do, you help. Get their hands dirty, get them in on some of the projects. Number three, you do, I help and number four you do i go take a nap this is like it's it's about the training's over right it's like once you've got it down i move on and it's like this is one of the things dad we are creating an opportunity we're providers but we're not just providing like dumping cash on them we're providing them an opportunity to do life and we're teaching them by doing it with them god still wants to meet our needs by the way for those of you who are like man but yeah I never had that kind of dad Philippians chapter 4 says for everybody who wants one your Heavenly Father wants to be one it says my God Paul saying my God will meet all of your needs I I love how he's it's personal to him it's like my dad my my Heavenly Father I mean this was he had learned that it was a personal God My, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus in other words Guys, God doesn't need your help. As a matter of fact, He wants to help you. He wants to come alongside you. He wants to resource you. It's not all up to you. You don't have to be perfect and you don't have to get everything and you don't even have to be the greatest, most perfect provider. God says, Hey, I want to work with you. And what you come up short on, I want to help resource you. That's the kind of dad He is. I think that's the perfect kind of dad. That's why it's God who had to be that dad. And you know what? I've learned this in in the hard way. I always wanted to do for my kids. I have a tendency just to like to do stuff. And so when they, you know, something would break, I'm like, oh, bring me the bike. And it was so hard for me to not take the time to do it with them. My tendency is just to do, 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 do. And so for me, it's been an actual choice. It would have to be a literal, even lately, Jaden has come to me several times and said, dad, Um, don't do it, show me how, because I have the tendency just to, okay, give me the, you know, give me the problem, and you go do whatever you're going to do, and I'll fix it, but really, that doesn't help, we got to do it with, not for, God also is the ultimate father, because he keeps the perfect balance, the perfect balance, he worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, so when God spun all this into creation, he spoke it into being, and he forms all these things, these creatures, these beautiful plants, Genesis chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You see, what God learned, and what God knew, and wants us to learn, is that there's a balance between work and relationship. Work-life balance. There's work and there's actual life. And if you only work to live or live to work, you're going to miss out on one of the greatest aspects of this existence. That's learning to live and the relationships are the point of it. This is what God wanted to do. He kept a balance in relationship time with his kids. Genesis 3, 8 and 9. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that. And several scholars that I was reading talk about this, what they believe to be a common time of connecting with God. It was like at the end of the day, there's like a cessation of work and the world kind of cools down. And it's time for coming home and coming together. I think that's a beautiful picture of how life was meant to be. That we go, we put in our time, and we do our hard work. But then there's the relationship time. Then there's the coming together, the taking the walk in the cool of the day or whatever. Dad's one of the greatest gifts we can give our families. It's not just our hard work and not just a paycheck and not just the stuff that money buys. It's ourselves. It's us. It's us. This is the most precious gift we can give, is the relationship. And I love that. I, I think a lot of dads were like, yeah, I, I would like to, but I would like to, I just don't know how. Well, here's, here's a couple hows. What God did is he took that time period to create, to work, to do, and then he took the time to stop doing. Dad's one of the greatest challenges I have. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time to, to stop doing I, I, it's the way I'm wired perhaps, it's maybe something in my, um, in my mind, it's just that I'm constantly trying to achieve and accomplish and move forward and make progress, but here's the problem, it never ends. It never ends. So I'm racing around trying to get this done, that done, the moment I pull into my driveway I'm seeing a hundred things that have to be done. I'm going from leaving this workspace to go to that workspace and it's always a workspace. It never stops pulling in this morning, you know, early this morning, and you know, just noticing that we're setting up, and like, oh, there's weeds in the cracks again, and we just got rid of those, and here they're back, and just pulling the weeds, pulling the weeds. There's so many, there's never, ever a place where it's done. But this is the thing. We have to choose to stop. God chose to stop. He didn't have to stop at six days. He could have kept doing all kinds of stuff. He chose to stop. That's I I think I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is that time of stopping the work and being done and then tuning into the relationships. And one of the ways that we do this, again, it's, it's relationship time. It's like around the table. How do you do this, Dad? Well, here's a practical way. At the end of the day, when you come home, if you have a few chores or things, I get it. But when, when it's time to sit down for family time, for dinner or whatever meal time you have, make that a focus time. For me, it's literally intentionally stopping what I'm doing, putting everything else away, even silencing my phone or just ignoring it, and then it's eating my meal with eyes up, in engagement, literally looking into people's eyes, because I, like you, I can keep my head down and just keep going, going. Because once again, meal time could be just like another project. Get it done, move on. Get it done, move on. Next thing. But it's really, really important that we stop. And here's another trick I've learned. Actually, put your fork down between bites. I know, it's crazy. Stop and chew your food. It's like we were meant to enjoy it. So next time you have a meal with your family, a meal with people, just in any relationship setting, full engagement. And the moments that you have, give them those moments. There aren't a ton of them, so really, really invest in the ones. And I know I fail at this, and it's a hard thing that we have to keep working at it do this as well. Make vacation times or weekends or whatever. Make that dedicated time to family. I mean, if you're not unwinding, if you're not just letting loose a couple times a year, if you're not just kind of enjoying the family and the relationships, you're missing one of the greatest experiences in life if your joy factor is way down low if your energy level is really low if your tension is really high that's gonna that's gonna kind of pollute all the environments that you go to so when you come home you need to stop just debrief for a minute you have to do it on the ride home you have to do it when you get in the garage i used to come home and sometimes i'd just sit in the car for a little while before i'd even go in it's like i just kind of let all that stuff get out of my system because i knew when i walked through those doors the there's a handful of people that are going to need the energy that only dads can bring. And I just, I wanted to do it well. So dads, it's really, really important that we do this. Here's another way you can do that. Commit to attending all their games and their recitals and their special days. I know that your work comes first. And I know those are priorities just like mine did. But I, believe me, I put in enough hours and then beyond That when it came to my kids stuff, I had no guilt when it's time to say, I'm going to that event, I'm going to their special night, I'm going to their back to school night, I'm going back to their whatever it was, I'm going to be at their game, I'm going to be at their program, and one of those things is I just made a decision, I couldn't always be there unless I made a commitment to be there, so what I did, I just became the coach, I'd never played soccer in my life. Didn't know anything about it. But I'm like, I'm going to coach the soccer team. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to work with another dad who actually knows what he's doing. And I'll be out there, you go, buddy. You know, I'll be that dad. And and the reason is because it made sure that I was always there. I had a commitment. Therefore, I had to be there. And I don't know what you need to do for you. That's what it took for me. I have to make a commitment to do things. And I have to get in serious about it to make it a consistent pattern. Commit to attending their special events, their games, their recitals. Here's another one. Take a day off. Can I stop right now and say thank you to all you dads who showed up here on your day off? If you're like like me or a a lot of people, it's like you could go nonstop six days a week. And so when you finally get a day off, you spend a good portion of it at church. Can I just tell you how much I honor and admire that? That I understand what that costs. And that I think that that is one of the greatest statements you will ever make to your family, that you are putting God and faith at the top of your life. And saying, guys, we don't do this in the gaps. We don't do this when we make time, for when, it just, like, when we get a free day. We do this as the first thing at the start of the week. Because when the, the Bible says, if I put God first, if I seek his kingdom first, he's going to make sure all the other stuff comes together. So I want to honor you and celebrate the fact that you are here today. Because that is one of the greatest gifts you can give is by... By stopping the work, putting yourself and your family in a space where God can speak to you, can work in you, can bless you, and can heal you. You need it. Bring them to church. Take a day off. Do what you need to do to get your energy back up. Do what it takes. To make yourself feel alive again today i hope that it's all about you dad i hope wherever you're going whatever you're doing after this it's about honoring you and and resting and recovering and just being treated like the guy you are a special guy in people's lives my dad loved to work as well as anybody i've ever known he grew up in a farming family and they worked sun up to sundown and then and so when we were little he you know he'd left the farming but he had taught us a lot about that same work ethic but he was also a guy who was rarely missed my games. He was actually my coach as a Little League player because he knew that was one way he would be invested in my life. And I will never forget when I got those hits, when I got a home run and I turn and I'm headed home and I'm looking at my dad cheering me on. And I know not everybody had that, but I want to tell you that you have a father in heaven who's your celebrator. He is your fan. He is he's jumping up and down for you. And dad's This is one of the gifts we can give our kids. And if you're not a dad now, if you will be a dad one day maybe, this is powerful. That you celebrate their lives. The relationship work balance. That's a gift. God did it and he invites us into it. Another thing God gave, the ultimate structure. He gave us this this balance of freedom and boundaries. Chapter 2 again verse 15 the lord took the man and he put him in the garden of eden to work it and take care of it and the lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat it eat from it you will certainly die there's an assurance he says certain he's saying you will it's an emphatic you will die these are all for you. All of this is for your joy, your pleasure. It's, it's all for you to have thriving and the best possible life. Um, there's one thing over here. It's not for you, not for now. I don't know what God intended that, but we didn't get that part of the story. What we got is that man and woman decided to do it anyway. But what God did is he put them in the garden, and then he gave them clear parameters about his expectations. One of the great gifts we can give our families, in particular our children, is a clear understanding of what we want. Isn't it hard when you feel like you always are trying to please the, please the un- unpleasable dad? Isn't it hard when you feel like you're always trying to live up to expectations that are never known? Do you have a boss? Any of you work for somebody that's like, I have no idea when, I, I know when, when I'm doing it wrong because it's kind of like the silent slap boss. In other words, when you're doing it right, no celebration, no honor, no anything. It's just silent. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get whacked, you get beat on, you get screamed at, you get whatever, reprimanded. And it's like, where did that come from? You weren't told the clear parameters, so you don't even know if you're doing it great. But man, out of nowhere, you know when you've done it wrong. God was the kind of God that he started us off by saying, hey, here's the, here's the parameters. Here's all the good I want you to experience. And by the way, this was all designed to give you a powerfully fulfilling, happy life. enjoy it get out there and explore do all that stuff but here's here's some reality Um, there are things in this world that will hurt you they will destroy you as a matter of fact they will they will literally kill you they will take your life and separate us in our relationship but then he gave us the freedom he's always been that way God gave us clear instructions but he gave us consistent discipline he gave us the freedom to choose for ourselves he warned us choosing badly has consequences it means death and separation from him spiritually but choosing life means joy and peace and relationship of flourishing i think that's one of the great things and again i go back to my dad i was blessed with an amazing dad my dad was big on discipline if you've never heard the pup, 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 as a belt comes out of each belt loop you have not lived it, you do not know fear until you hear that. Whop, pop, 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 pop. I'm telling you, it is a sound that acor- across the room, you know that it is time to stop and give attention. That is just one of them. My dad had one of the most powerful fingers in, in humanity. I mean, he could thump and I, it's like a ripe melon. And that was at the table. It was literally, it was it was reserved mostly for the dinner table. If you were close and you were acting up, you just got a reminder. And it was the melon. Yes, I we testing the melon. It's ripe. You know, it's like, you've got a good thump. And it was one of those, and again, please don't report them. This was years ago. I, I know that belts and all that stuff. That's child abuse today. Back then it was called discipline, and that's how you loved your kids. But this is what I, my point is. There was always a sense of, here's what I want you to do, and it'll give you blessing and thriving. And my dad was clear about the rules, and he was also clear about what not to do. I know some of us dads, we get this a little out of balance. I remember one particular time when I was a dad, my kids were teenagers, and I came home and it was like afternoon, and so I walk in and I could hear music upstairs. And I'm like, oh man, sounds like, I don't recognize that music. That's not Christian music, and I don't don't think that's honoring Jesus' music. And And here I'm Pastor Dave, I go marching up the stairs, and as I walk up there's Tyler and Chase and two young ladies. I didn't know. And that's fine that they have friends over, that's great, and all that, living out in the public space and all that, that's the rule. And so they're out and and they're having some fun time with music. And it didn't take me a split second to recognize the fact that some of the words coming out of this music was not from the Bible. (laughs) Not parent approved. There was explicit content. I think it said hell or something. No. No, it was actually, it was just a few words. It it weren't the worst words in the world, but they were bad enough. I'm like, oh, you know, and the pastor, and I think that the hair goes up on the back of my neck. Oh, no, not in this house. And I just remember walking over to the the CD player, putting the button, and the thing slides out, and I picked it up, and I go, and I just snapped it in pieces. And I'm like, who's put this on in my house? Anyway, it's just something like that. I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I do remember two young ladies, and they were gone. Never even got to know their names. I don't even remember their faces. It was over in a heartbeat. Dads, there is an easy tendency in us to kind of take it too far when it goes to some of this discipline stuff. It's really easy for us to you know, just, but here's the thing let the discipline fit the crime. Let, let the punishment fit the crime. Let it, let it, and in that situation, yeah, whippings all around. All four of you stand, no, no, it's in that situation, it's like, hey, you guys, you know. Conversation, conversation. Hey, this is why we don't do this. Um, you two, go to your rooms and you, goodbye. I, I don't know. The right thing to do would have been a conversation and then discipline follow. But a lot of time we react with the physical or the screaming or all that kind of thing without explaining the parameters of why we are doing what we're doing, why it's wrong. And uh, what we expect in the meantime. One of the things we implemented as, as parents when our kids were really little, and and you know this was just something God gave us directly to Lori and I, and it was just like from heaven. And we just kind of made this up on our own, called the repentance bench. No, I'm just kidding. We, we stole it from somebody. I don't know where it came from. It was one of those parenting classes, I think. But we got this thing. It's called the repentance bench. Literally, we got a little bench, kid-sized bench, and it was like this, and it set up against one of the walls in our kitchen, and. Again, what, what the thing was so great about this is when the kids acted up, one of the kids got in trouble, or even better yet, when they got in a fight, which happened a lot. We had four kids of our own, plus we just brought a whole lot of others. And if you're one of my other kids, you know, love you. I, see, I know you're watching. What we did, though, we made them sit on the repentance bench. And the thing they had to do, which is brilliant, this is the part I love about it, and I wish I have thought of it myself, but they had to own what they did wrong before they could get up. That means they had to tell you what was wrong about it so there had to be a conversation so what did you do wrong i punched my (laughs) bubby okay you punched your bubby and there was no blaming somebody else you could not say what somebody else did you could not point the finger you could not shift the blame you could not but he made me or she said or whatever it was just like i did this and once they owned it they had a chance to repent in other words to apologize and Tell them they were sorry for what their part was, again, only owning their part, and then they had to hug. And I love that part. They hated, that was the worst part of all, when they had to hug, and then they had to go. But this is what I learned about the repentance bench. It's the way God works with us. He defines for us the parameters of our lives, and then he tells us what's going to happen afterwards. And then he invites us, when we screw up, to sit down and to own our stuff and to confess it, and then to learn how to work What should you have done? Because that's the other question. What did you do wrong? What should you have done? What do you need to say? Simple little thing that the repentance bench taught. But this whole love, discipline, balance is so important that God has been the perfect father when it comes to this. He's always been that way. Loved his children enough to teach us the beauty and blessing of life with him. But loved us enough to warn us of the devastation of life without him. Children of Israel got, man, they got a whole book of instructions, they called the Torah, from God on how to stay right with Him, how to work well with each other, and man, they didn't follow it very well, but they knew, they always knew what God expected. I think that's a gift we can give our kids. They they know beforehand what is right and wrong so that they don't have to be surprised, and then the correction actually helps them to discover why that was wrong, what could have, you know, what they could have done better and then own their stuff deuteronomy 30 verse 19 this is part of that text god gave them it says this day god tells them i call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that i have set before you life and death blessings and curses now god's begging them practically choose life so that you and your children may live. What God is saying is, I want you to have a great life. I want you to have the best possible experience. And I've even shown you the way. Here's blessing and prosperity and great living. And here's brokenness and pain and separation. Please choose life. And that's what parents, we do. We lay out the parameters. We teach our kids what's right and wrong. And then we, at some point, have to allow them the choices they make. And this is where I kind of from here. God was full of grace and truth. And what God invites us to do then is to kind of do the same because here's what we need to learn finally. God offers us the ultimate forgiveness because here's the problem. Most of our kids, like most of us, they're going to choose to do the wrong thing at times. Maybe a lot of times. Maybe you're still trying to learn how to do the right thing. And God wants you to know that as a loving father... He's got incredible grace for you. God knows what you're made of. The scriptures say God knows you are but dust. He knows where you came from. He knows the fallen nature that we all have that Adam just kind of passed on to us. He knows our tendencies. Man, he knows what it is, because Jesus walked the earth too, to have testosterone. He knows what our eyes can do and the temptations that we live under. He knows the pressures. He knows the weight. He knows all of it. And what he knows is that our hearts have a tendency to want to go out there and and do it on our own and discover what he said was not good, just like our parents had to teach us, and we wanted to try all the boundaries. We want to test all those things. Well, that's kind of our nature as fallen creatures. God didn't make us that way, but the fall of man in Genesis gave us that tendency. Here's what we find. Luke chapter 15, as the story progressed, so we see the man and woman fall from God. We, we see that that devastation worked its way all through humanity. And then it comes all the way through the story to Jesus. And Jesus is trying to help people understand what God looks like and what he's like towards them. And he tells three stories. He tells a story about this woman who lost some coins. And she turned her house upside down till she found one. And she had a big party, invited her friends over because she found her coin. Then the, it talked about a, a shepherd who lost a sheep. He, he, he had a whole flock of sheep, but one got away, one got lost. And he, and he went high and low, and he entrusted his other flock to somebody to care for while he chased after that one sheep. And then he tells a story of a lost son. And the story goes that a father had two sons, and, and his youngest son came to him one day and said, Dad, uh, Basically, I wish you were dead. I want my, I want my inheritance, and, and, you know, you're still living, so who knows how long it's going to take for me to get it, but I, I need some money, and, and I, I'm tired of living here like this. I, I want to do my own thing. And I, I want my inheritance now. And it says the Bible, it's a story, it's a parable. So in the story, Jesus said that the father acquiesced and gave his son what he asked for. He gave them all his money and the inheritance that would one day be his. And he told him, you know, basically... Dad, I'll see you later because I'm gone. And he takes the money and he leaves. And he goes to a far-off country and he lives while he moves to Vegas and he parties it up for as long as the money lasted. Literally, it's like wine, women, and song. He just blew it and he said, well, everything was good. He had lots and lots of friends around and they just spent, 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 spent. And finally, the money ran out. At the same time as this chance would have it, there was a famine in the land. And the famine made it so that it was very, very hard to get food. And so this young man couldn't even get a decent job, he had to literally rent himself out as a you know, pig feeder. He had to work in the slop with the pigs and it said he actually looked at the pig food and he was so hungry, he was like, oh man, I'd just love to eat this. And it came to, finally, he came to a sense, as the Bible says, and he remembered that my father has servants. The, the lowest worker in my dad's employment lives better than this. I mean, even the house. Kids, you know the kids that just kind of work they're, they're, they're the ones that are treated like family practically and here I am in a foreign country living like a slave I'll go to my dad's at least in my I know my dad would let me probably come back as a slave if I really really begged and told him how sorry I was I could just be his slave at least I'd be tr- treated better than this and as he's formulating this plan he gets himself up and he heads back and as it says in the scriptures that while he was a long way off the father saw him some of you need to know that, that you've disappointed your dad or you're disappointed in your dad. That we've all disappointed somebody. And this story says that the dad, while he was a long way off, saw the son and said, that's my boy. He's like, I can kind of tell by the way he walks. I taught him how to walk. He's picturing his son, and he says he jumped up and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. The son started his deliberation. He's like, here's the speech I've been practicing. Dad, let me get this out. Dad, I'm so sorry. I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am so sorry. I, I don't even deserve to be called your child. So please, would you take me in as your servant? And dad stopped him mid-sentence and said, listen, my son has, has returned. He was dead to me. Now he's alive. He was lost to me. Now he is found. And he goes on, quick, verse 22, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And for those of you who did not have a dad who knew how to love and love well, the ultimate dad, our Heavenly Father, is a dad who celebrates the discoveries of your life in brokenness when you turn to Him and say, Dad, I want to come home. He not only welcomes you, but according to the parable of the lost sheep, He's out searching for you. And when you come home, according to this, this parable of the father and His lost son, he runs to you. And if you've never had the warm embrace of a dad who celebrated your coming to your senses and coming home, then this is your story. Your Father in heaven wants to wrap his arms around you and love on you and celebrate you and throw a party in your honor. Because what we learn about the ultimate Father is he is a forgiving Father and dads, one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is to get over the offenses and the failures. Once they've owned them, we move on from them, and we just continue to forgive. And some of you, it's not its not your kids you need to forgive. It's the person who should have been your dad. Some of you in this room, I can't even imagine the stories that you have to tell about what You went through and the loss that was there because of the lack of a loving father. But all of us, like sheep have gone astray, the Bible said, all of us has taken our own way. And that way has separated us from the love of our father. And today the father is saying, I want to be dad again. Come home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. And I think that the most important thing anyone could do today if you've not done this is step into the arms of your heavenly father. Come home. Do this. Make God your father. The disappointment you've experienced with other fathers, this, this, this is human. But can you step in and let your Father in Heaven wrap His arms around you? I believe that's the story God's writing today in somebody's life. I think that's your invitation. He'll place you in His family. He'll teach you how to live. He'll show you the way to walk and flourish. And He'll teach you the things, the parameters that will bring life and death. And then He'll invite you in to live with Him forever. He'll put His Spirit in you to teach you how to live, to guide you. And this... Is the invitation this morning from your ultimate father can I just pray over you because what I want to do I want to give you guys a chance particularly particularly you dads just to breathe again just to know that you are remarkable you are special you are honored by God and the fact that you're here tells me that you are trying to do the right thing and put your life in the right order and that's a respectable thing and I just want to pray blessing on you today so let's bow our heads there's a dad near you. It's your dad, your husband, whomever. Put your arm around him. Just grab his hand. Father, today, you are the ultimate. You're the only one that got it right. You're the only one that hasn't messed up in some ways. And I, I, we all feel like we're just kind of coming up short. But God, you didn't. And I thank you for your example because it's hard to find a better one. There's aren't, there aren't any great examples, it seems. No perfect ones. But you were the ultimate Father. And today, I just want to thank you for your love and the fact that you're calling your children. Come home. And for anybody in the room today and anybody who has not done this, Lord God, that that they would hear your voice clearly and loudly today as you are telling them, if you believe in me, if you put your faith in me, you'll be home. You're so close. Just step over the line and... Just go ahead and own the stuff that you've done that's broken you. Just go ahead and admit the things you've done that have destroyed you, and then let me heal you. Let me forgive you. Let me cleanse you, because you are the gracious, loving, forgiving Father. And I pray, Lord God, today that somebody in this room would take that story to be theirs. Take that opportunity and own it. would step into your loving arms today. Be forgiven and start that life as your child with your heads bowed and our eyes closed man if that's you that today just your step would be a place in your faith in Jesus by just maybe a simple prayer Father I want to come home and just like the guy in the story I mean I could just go on and start telling you all the horrible things I've done and, and that I don't deserve to but God I just am so grateful that you're not interested in me and beating up myself but just owning my stuff and coming home starting a new life with you that when I repented my sins, I, I confessed them, you forgive them, and today I do that. I confess I am that runaway son, and I want, or daughter, and I want to come home. Forgive my sins, and give me that new life, and give me that place in your family, and that place in eternity. I want to be a part of your family. I give you thanks and praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, today it's all about dad. So, guys, get out of here. Go have some fun. Enjoy your afternoon. We're going to worship. We're going to sing one last song. Stand with me as we worship together. And we'll see you guys next week.